0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Good morning. Frontline? It's just good to see all of you. Uh, How many of you love second chances? Okay, let me ask it a different way. How many of you have blown it so bad you were desperate for a second chance at some point in your life? I'm going to tell you one of mine. Uh, I went to Panama City Beach as a college freshman. The best part about this is it was considered a mission trip. So, I mean, just fill in. I got to fundraise to go to Panama City Beach as a college freshman. Uh, showed up down there. My single game was thriving, Uh, did not have a relationship, did not have a girlfriend. Uh, It had been that way for a long time. And I remember thinking to myself like, this is, this is the trip that's going to change that forever. Uh, We went to this Christian conference down there in Panama city beach. If You've never been there. It's kind of a dump. Uh, It's definitely like a a college party town. Uh, So we were all staying at this event and it was actually like an evangelism conference. It's where I actually learned a lot about how to share my faith with people, uh, total random people, strangers, people who are there for a totally different reason on spring break, that was the conference. And so we were all staying in a similar hotel. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I might meet my wife here, just getting excited. And when I get excited, I tend to do stupid stuff. I don't know if anybody else is like that. And so kind of checked in, dropped off the gear and the bags, whatever, I walked down to the hot tub. Climb in the hot tub, and I notice a a woman standing there that was attractive to me, and so I start up a conversation. I'm getting nervous, and uh, I say, where are you from? And she says, I'm from Ohio. And then I decide to do something that I've never done with any other human being ever. I spell where she's from with my arms like I'm singing the YMCA. (laughs) Just kind of first reaction. I go, Ohio. Ohio. And her smile back at me was the smile that said, you don't have a girlfriend, do you? (laughs) And I continued to stay in that state. And I walked away. My prayer was this, God, please let me never see her again. Please, Lord. I'm grateful for second chances. Years later, obviously worked on my game, set up. I was set up on a blind date. Uh, With my wife, I walked in, my hands were in my pockets the entire time. I went, no spelling stuff, (laughs) hit it off, second chance was taken, and it paid off. It's a funny, lighthearted story, but I mean, if I look at my life, if I look at the things that I've been through, if I look at even the places I've worked, the the places I went to school, significant moments in my life, some of the great moments, some of the awful moments. If I look at my life, a lot of times uh, where I'm at or where I was able to go was determined by the second chance that I was either given or denied doesn't matter what it is. I mean, like I said, it could be a job, could be a degree that you pursued, could be a financial investment. Maybe for you, it could be a marriage, could be a parenting uh, situation, could be a, a conversation that you had, a relationship. So often we are defined in our lives by second chances. And man, every one of us knows what it's like to, to, to blow it, to screw up, to make a mistake, to make, to make a really costly mistake and then find ourselves looking ahead and saying, is a second chance available For me, that's all of us. The story that we're studying right now, uh, it's a guy by the name of Jonah. The whole book is all about Jonah. We've been tracking through his story since the beginning of January. And Jonah is a guy that blows it. Jonah's a guy, he was a prophet of God. God spoke to him and he said, I'm calling you to go to a people that you hate. I know you hate them. I'm calling you to go to a people that you hate, to a nation you hate, an enemy, not just territorially, not just nationally, but but like an enemy personally. You hate these people. God selected Jonah and he said, I'm sending you to them to bring a message. And Jonah says, no way. He goes the opposite direction, he gets on a boat, he, he sails in the exact opposite direction, and my goodness, God goes after him like we all crave for, and yet no one wants to live the way that God went after Jonah. He sends this great storm, all the sailors cast lots, they go, whose fault is this? And all of the lots, everything points to Jonah, and Jonah goes, yep, it's me. It's my fault. My God's alive. He's the God over everything, over all of it, over the weather, over the sea. Here's the only way you're going to satisfy him is if you throw me overboard. If you throw me into the sea, throw me overboard. And so the sailors try rowing harder and they go, no, anything to to prevent us from doing that. And the storm gets worse and worse and worse until they take him and they throw him overboard and they pray and they say, God, please don't hold us responsible. And the storm grows quiet. Everything goes still. Jonah gets eaten, swallowed by a large fish. He spends three days there. We talked about it last week, the prayer, this heart posture that Jonah has inside the belly of a fish for three days. And then right at the end of chapter two, you can read the whole book in 10 minutes if you want to. Right at the end of chapter two, it says the fish vomited Jonah out onto dry land. And that's how we get to the spot that we get to talk about today. And it goes like this. This is Jonah. Chapter three, verse one, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Everybody say second time. time. Aren't you grateful for that? So funny about Jonah. We, We went through all that to get right back to where we started. God shows up again. He speaks to Jonah a second time and he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have for you today. We're talking about baptism because baptism is is symbolic. The story that Jonah has lived is symbolic. Both of them are supposed to point us to the person of Jesus. Water, as I I touch the water here too, water has always been symbolic all throughout scripture as death, chaos, even in Genesis. It says the spirit of God hovered over the waters. You see Jonah, the peace that landed us right where we're at is Jonah was thrown into the sea. Jonah was thrown, he was under water. The symbolicness of this is death. Jonah was dead. There was no second chance until God got involved. It's such a significant story, but it continues on like this. Verse three, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Jonah was dead. Jonah offered nothing. Jonah could have been killed. Jonah should have been killed. In fact, if we're honest, many of us have been cheering for that until this part of the story. Because you go, this is God's prophet, and he's awful. And he's disobedient, and he runs in the opposite direction. He plays the role of God. He decides that he wants to see people suffer. He decides he wants to see them judged. And yet God goes after Jonah just as much as he's going after the people that he sent Jonah to. If we keep reading, here's what it says in verse 4. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And that's the message. That's his sermon. It's awesome, it's eight words. Isn't that great? Blake told me earlier, he's our executive pastor. He goes, man, I bet people would love an eight word sermon from you. <laughs> Thanks, Flake. Eight words, here's, here's what's funny to me, right? If, if I just read through this, just through a normal lens, don't you expect more from a guy that just got a new lease on life? I mean, just personify him for a second. Let's say it's you. Let's say you're the one that, that God spoke to. God invited you to do something that you didn't want to do. You ran in the opposite direction and and you've been through misery. I mean, it's just awful. It's pain It's circumstances that nobody could have foreseen. Nobody else has ever had the story that you've lived until right now. If you're Jonah, you're sitting there and then all of a sudden you you think you're going to die. I mean, maybe even starvation inside the belly of this other animal. It's dark and it stinks and it's just, you go, this, this, is, this is what my disobedience got me. And it humbles, jo- it humbles Jonah's heart. And then God gives him a second chance. Says the, the fish vomited him onto dry land. And so now Jonah responds and he goes to the place that God called him to go. New lease on life, second chance, another opportunity. He shows up and all he says is 40 days and God's going to blow this thing up. I just expected more, but if I could summarize a statement in this sermon, if I could summarize the posture that God has towards Jonah, if I could summarize the posture that God has towards the people of Nineveh, if I could summarize the posture that God has towards you and towards me, I, I'd boil it down like this. Our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of of second chances, you may have walked in today and your life might be a mess. Something might be on fire, something might be struggling, you might be hanging by a thread, you might be holding on, you you might be grasping at something and asking the question, is a second chance available for me? And maybe it's public, maybe everybody can see it, maybe everybody sees the state that you've gotten yourself into, maybe it's private. Maybe nobody knows, but God does. If I could give you good news today, it's this, that our God is a God of second chances. Here's what Jonah didn't know about the people of Nineveh, is God had been going after them for a while. This is cool. I've studied Jonah or I've heard the story of Jonah most of my life. I grew up in the local church. I didn't know any of this, what I'm about to share with you. A lot of scholars agree that Jonah showed up in Nineveh. This is a, a real person, a real place, a real time period in history. A lot of scholars believe that Jonah showed up somewhere between the years of 773 and 755 B.C. And they, they, they agree with that. There's historical documents outside of the Bible that support that, but there's also historical documents that, su- that support everything I'm about to tell you. So in the 18 year span that Jonah likely was there, this is what was going on in the city of Nineveh, 765 BC. There was a plague and a famine that hit the entire land. Two years later, there was an eclipse. It was the second eclipse in 28 years, but this one terrified the people of Nineveh because it covered up 98.7% of the sun. The first one was only 74%. What they would have seen is this was a precursor of divine judgment. This is in the same period that Jonah shows up to preach this message to the people of Nineveh. One year later, there was a revolt in the city. Another year later, there was another revolt. Another year later, then an earthquake hit the city. Another year later, another revolt and another plague. And then four years later, the king died. Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? God was going after a people. And all of those things check his boxes. Nobody else can control those. Nobody else can do those. I mean, with the exception maybe of a revolt, but it was a people that was turning, a people that was known for their wickedness, known for their evil, known for their for their running away from God. And God kept bringing sign after sign after sign after sign. He's trying to get their attention. Here's what Wikipedia says. The, the king's name was King Asher Dan III. He had a particularly difficult reign. He dealt with two plagues in five out of 18 years, putting down revolts. Jonah shows up somewhere in the midst of all of this. God's a God of second chances. Here's how the people respond. Check this out. Jonah 3 verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. It's a heck of a response from a people that had so turned their hearts against God. God was a God of second chances that he'd been going after them and pursuing them and now Jonah shows up covered in fish guts reeking like crazy and he says 40 more days 40 more days God's going to destroy you and the entire city repents That's what that means. When it says they put on burlap and sat in ashes or dust, depending on what version you read, it was very much a cultural way of of turning their backs on the worldly pleasures and comforts. It was moving into a place of discomfort and humility. Scholars describe some of the words as like penitence. They were repentant repentance is we're moving a specific direction and we stop moving that direction and we begin to move in the opposite direction. Whatever direction they were headed, maybe it was about self, maybe it was about prosperity, maybe it was about wickedness, maybe it was about perversion, whatever direction they were headed as a people from the decree of the king himself, he said, no more, we are turning our hearts back towards God because who knows, maybe there's a second chance for us. Repentance may not be a word in the book of Jonah in this part, but it is very much the response that the people actually had. It's funny, if I think about confession and repentance, uh, it actually brought me back to uh, being a high school freshman. Uh, I was in Chicago. My family lived in Chicago for six years, and I ended up going to not one of the public schools that I actually wanted to go to. My parents signed me up to go to a Catholic high school, So my freshman year, I was in a Catholic high school, and uh, I learned a lot. I had to take one of my classes was Fundamentals of Catholicism. And uh, I didn't make a lot of friends. Actually, I take that back. I didn't make a lot of friends with the professors or the teachers. I made a lot of friends uh, around me. Uh, I said something along the lines of, at the beginning, uh, my dad's a Lutheran pastor, I'm not Catholic, and I'm not converting. That was how I pitched myself, you know, like if we're speed dating... This is who I am next. My teacher didn't like me at all. I learned a lot. You know, my favorite question was, where is that in the Bible? And she'd say, I'll talk to you after class. You know, was, I, I didn't have a good way of, of relating. We got towards maybe middle of the year and we, we got to the topic of confession. So I'd heard this before, right? I've seen the boxes with the two chairs and the wall and the slider, you know, where you, you walk in and the priest sits on the other side and then you confess your sin. And so they said, we're, we're actually going to model this. We're going to give you an opportunity to do confession. And I, <laughs> the whole not Catholic thing, I'm, I'm not doing that. I had to sit down. I sat down with a priest who was in a classroom. It was just he and I all, all by ourselves. And uh, he asked me, it was so, it was, it was awkward. I'm not going to lie to you. It was awkward Uh, because there was no box. Uh, He just sat in one chair and I sat in the other chair and we just kind of looked at each other and he was ready to do it and I was not going to do it. I refused. I I said something along the lines of, I I don't believe I have to confess my sin to you. I don't have to. I can go to Jesus myself. I don't need you. He was so patient. He he was so calm. He said, okay, well, I just want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything that's bubbling up, anything significant do you, do you, do you want to? I went, no, not really. It'd be four years later that I would hear one of the most memorable sermons of my life. It was a pastor on a stage just like this. He was preaching, I was in college at this point and he, he asked this question. He said, when's the last time your sin made you weep? And I sat there and in my head I said, never. I I don't ever remember that. And it bugged me. It still bugs me. When's the last time your sin made you weep? Fast forward a couple months. I mean, I was actually pursuing a relationship with Jesus for real. I was driving in my car. I was driving for a couple hours. And I remember I got about halfway to my destination. I was about an hour and a half. And I turned on worship music and I started I started worshiping, started praying, singing, and I started confessing. God, here's, here's the thing that I did. And the difference was I started confessing it out loud. God, I just repent of this and that. And I I got hyper specific. I kept saying it out loud. I had to pull my car over because the, the tears that had become welling up in my eyes, began flowing to the point that I was like, I'm going to wreck this thing. I parked my car and I sobbed. If I look back on both of those stories, what's so interesting is when I sat with that Catholic priest, what I thought is he just wanted to know my stuff. He wanted to know my dirt. He wanted me to to say it out loud so that he could, this is what I thought, so he could judge me. You know what I, I see right now? He was giving me the opportunity to see my own sin. We have this way where, as a people, or as individuals, as people in this country, we have this way of, of not engaging repentance and confession, and it turns into a cycle. When we go in kind of soft, or when we go in apprehensive, when we go in guarded, it doesn't do a lot. In fact, it doesn't translate. To When we actually confess our sin, when we say it out loud or when we confess it to somebody else, it forces us to acknowledge out loud what we have done wrong and see our own sin through somebody else's perspective. That's what the people of Nineveh did. They announced their sin and they put on sackcloth, they put on this burlap and they sat down and they said, we have sinned and everybody sees it. That's the type of repentance that moves God's heart. It's a type of repentance that isn't just feeling. When repentance is just a feeling, we end up becoming callous to that and desensitized to that, and then it doesn't lead us anywhere, and especially it doesn't lead us to action. And the longer it goes on, the longer our hearts remain hard, and it becomes harder and harder and harder to overcome. Here's what's so funny about this whole story of Jonah is we see a picture of softness of heart from the most wicked people described in the entire book. We see the people of Nineveh that turns their back on their own sin, on their own wickedness, on their own evil, and they say, my eyes are going to be focused back on God. I'm going to repent. My softness of heart is now evident. Here's what's ironic. God's own prophet remains hard in his heart. He resists confession. He resists repentance. Even after a second chance at life, he shows up to the people of Nineveh and his message is coarse. The type of repentance that God is after is one that doesn't just translate into a feeling, but into action. That's where the second chance of God actually comes from, it comes from a repentant heart. So many of us would rather be ignorant of our own sin rather than be aware of it and broken by it. Let me say it one more time. So many of us would rather be ignorant. We'd rather not know what's there. We'd rather function in our lives like it doesn't exist or like it doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect the people around us. We'd rather function out of ignorance than function in total awareness, seeing ourselves as God sees us, and then to be changed by that. The reason we're talking about baptism today, this water, water is a symbol of death. I was talking to one of the women on the worship team this morning. She said, when they were gathered around this tank this morning, she said, the image I had was like a bunch of pallbearers holding a casket. Do you know how spot on that depiction is? This is a symbol of death when you celebrate baptism, when you go into the water, it is symbolic of dying to self and coming back to life. And so here's, here's what she said. And she's so spot on There's so many people that have walked to today and you are buried in the tank and you're living out of this functional life that says, I don't get a second chance. Maybe I don't need a second chance. Maybe I don't want a second chance. Maybe I can get myself out of this tank by myself. Here's the problem where that whole thing falls apart. You're dead. Dead people can't do much. Jesus shows up on the scene and changes all of it. Jesus thought the whole reason we're studying the book of Jonah is the same reason we celebrate baptism is because Jesus is the one that can make dead things come back to life. And he does that through repentance through a repentant heart where we come to him and we say, Jesus, I can't fix myself, but I know you can. Jesus, I can't bring myself back to life, but I know you can. Jesus, I can't pay for my sin, the sin that that I that I created, that I did, the decisions I made, I can't pay for it. And Jesus says, I know, but I can't. Jesus invites us to come to him with our filth, with our death, with our sin, with our brokenness. Jesus has a message for you today. And the message is this, there's a second. Chance available. There's a second chance available for you. Our God is a God of second chances. What I want you to hear today I don't know if this is your first time, I don't know if you're just joining, I don't know if you're just watching online. I don't know if you're listening later. I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't know your story, but I do know the truth here. And the truth is that there is a second chance on the table for you from God who has been pursuing you. Just like he was pursuing Nineveh, he was pursuing Jonah. And the story is going to continue just like your story is going to continue. God, our God, is a God of second chances. Here's how God responds to the people of Nineveh. Jonah 3.10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. That's how it ends. Come back next week, we'll get into chapter four. But here's the response, is the people of Nineveh repented. God's response he relented. How'd you get here today? How'd you get to this spot? How'd you get to this church? How'd you get to this link? How'd you get to this seat? How'd you get to this situation? How did you get here today? Here's a hunch. If it's anything like my story, God's been going after you, He's been pursuing you, He's chasing you. He's trying to get your attention. Maybe some things right now in your life are on fire and they're not going well. Maybe things look so bad right now and they're so broken that you've contemplated giving up. Maybe you're out looking for the way to restart your story. You're looking for the new job or the new chapter or the new wife or the new husband or the new city or the new church or whatever it is. Maybe you're out looking for your own version of new and what God is inviting you to is it's him. You've been trying to do this in your own power. Your own power cannot resurrect you from the grave. That's Jesus' power. Jesus is the one who lived the perfect life. He was perfect. Without flaw, without sin, without any wrongdoing. He lived the perfect life, the requirement to have a relationship with God. He did it. He fulfilled it. But then he, he stepped on the other side of the line and he looked at us, a people who did not live a perfect life, who have pursued the pleasures of the world, who have pursued greed or lust, who have blown up their lives, who have blown up marriages, who have blown up relationships with children, who have blown up everything we've been entrusted with. We somehow managed to blow that up. Jesus stepped on our side and he said, I can redeem that. I can bring a second chance. So he went to the cross. And our second chance cost him everything. Second chance, he was beaten, he was whipped, blood everywhere. Took a crown of thorns and they jammed it on his head. They mocked him, they spat on him, they hoisted him up on a cross. And as he hung there, you know what he said. why we're here that's why we're here right now that's why you're here right now to hear that message that the god of the universe thought you were so worth it to go after you to pursue you to chase you to die for you to be brutally beaten for you because he would be placed in the grave and three days later he would rise out of that grave writing a story right now. He's writing your story. What's possible for your life if you entrust your second chance to him? He can redeem your marriage. He can redeem a bad relationship. He can redeem a financial blow up. He can redeem a moral failure. Why we celebrate it. This is why we celebrate baptism because it is symbolic of an inward decision to surrender everything to Jesus, to repent to him, to die to ourself, to find new life in him. Jesus says if you, if you do that, if you put your faith and your hope and your trust in me, then get baptized. It is this outward representation of what you have decided to do inwardly. And so we celebrate it today. And maybe some of you, even if you didn't sign up today, maybe God's stirring on your heart to say, today is the day I want you to respond. Today is the day that you need to go public. Today is the day that you need to live out the second chance that God has given you. And it's new life in him only through the person of Jesus. Jesus is not after behavior modification. He's after new life. And that only comes through him. Here's what I'd I'd say to you, for for many of us in the room, if you've been baptized as an adult, but then maybe you walked away, maybe you made a bad decision, maybe you blew something up, maybe, maybe you've walked away from God or rejected Him, your baptism still counts you to hear that your baptism still counts the invitation for you is not to to get baptized again like i said if you've been baptized as an adult the 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 invitation for you is to step into a posture of regular repentance and new life through jesus maybe that's in a small group that's in a a mentorship or it's an accountability partner. Maybe it's writing your sin down and offering it back to God and just saying, God, I I receive your forgiveness. That's what's on the table for you and it's just as valid. But for, for others of you, maybe you were baptized as an infant or maybe you've never been baptized before. This tank is a representation of what has taken place inside of you. If you say, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. I wholeheartedly surrender my life to Him, and I want the second chance that only He offers. I want to offer you the invitation on His behalf today. Even if you didn't sign up, today we can celebrate your baptism. God is rewriting stories. you to stand. We're going to move into uh, a song here. And during this next song of worship, even just like Cody was describing worship, can I just invite you to worship in this next song out of a place of repentance, worship out of a place of gratitude, worship out of a place of just A grateful heart for a second chance that comes from God. If you've signed up ahead of time to be baptized right now is when I want to, I want to invite you to move over towards this side of the stage. We have a team that's over here. They're just going to walk you through a couple instructions, let you know. So there's no surprises as you come out, but we're going to celebrate baptism together. So if you've signed up, go ahead and move that direction. If you didn't sign up, that's okay want to let you know we're we're going to celebrate those that have signed up first and i just want to give you some time if you're wrestling right now i'm not going to put you under the gun i'm not going to put you on the clock just sit with an open heart and say god is today the day that you want me to do that and you've got a couple minutes to discern that and i'll come out and i'll give you another opportunity to respond so sound good all right let's worship together we hope this message encouraged you in seeing who god is and who you are in him If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.